the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, let's start by thinking and thinking, putting our thinking caps on. Uh, we'll get, we're going to get real deep. We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. And that's a guy who knows who's talking about Plato. If you've never read him, you should. The greatest wealth is to live content with little. And that's Plato again. And then finally, Aristotle. Be a free thinker and don't accept everything you hear as the truth. Be critical and evaluate what you believe in. Amen. Well, look, uh, today's a, a, a big day, I think. Uh, I'd like to thank all the veterans out there. This is Veterans Day. Um, it, it was 78 years ago uh, when World War II ended, and you know, today was the day that World War I ended. So, uh, wow, World War I was a long time ago, and World War II was 78 years ago, so that gives you an idea. So all, to all our veteran friends out there, God bless you guys. You're the, you're the best. Um, one thing I will say is that this is Long-Term Care Awareness Month. If you don't have long-term care, uh, I hope you have your, your state set up. So uh, Because, you know, long-term care gets expensive, and... It's actually it's expensive now, but what they've done is they've they've combined it with uh, term insurance, and it's a lot cheaper. So uh, you should look into that if you haven't. Give me a call; I'll talk to you about it. Whatever. Um, <laughs> this week, this uh, next next week, next week we have our tech, internet, media, and telecom conference. And you may recall back in 2018, I talked about this and the market was getting killed and those stocks outperformed for two years, three years. They were unbelievable. Even in the pandemic, they outperformed. And uh, I, I get the feeling, I, I've been looking at the charts and this is Tim Hayes' opinion, nobody else's, but I'm seeing a lot of the the uh, uh, software companies, the, the hardware companies, the semiconductors and those type of things start to break out. So we'll see what happens going forward. You know, I, I think uh, I, was, I was reading Lori Calvacina, who's our head strategist, and she's a good one. Um, she may be early on her call for small caps, but I think she's going to be eventually very, very right. The problem is being early sometimes with a small cap index is you're going to get whacked on a little bit. And the other thing is healthcare. I mean, people are just throwing healthcare stocks out the door. And, you know, I, I realize that Zempic and, and uh, Lily's version of uh, their weight loss drug are important, 
but I don't think uh, it's the end of the world. So uh, we'll see what happens. But look, I both, I mean, if we look at the growth sector, the biggest issue in the minds of equity investors uh, is whether the 10 year yields have peaked. And generally, you know, over the last month or so, we saw the surge, in, well, two months, we saw the surge in yields from 320 on the 10-year to 5%. And uh, 5% seems to be, uh, you know, in Rob Schleimer's work, an area where you got to be careful in the, in the equity market. So, uh, you know, you just keep that in the back of your head, all right? So, look, I, I, there's a couple things, uh, I, you know. We highlighted how that the earnings yield of the S&P 500 and the 10-year Treasury yield are close to parity. We talked about that last week, uh, and that's been the case recently, obviously. And the stock market tends to keep rising. There have been uh, times in the past where a few decades when the, the cross-asset gauge of equity valuation has signaled coming declines in the S&P 500. Um, we didn't quite reach that level in, in uh, October. So the second is the surge in yields has occurred since early uh, April 20th, uh, April 2023, I mean, and hasn't been big enough to damage U.S. equity market too much. Historically, yields, you know, go up that far, you have some problems. Uh, and 5% is a key, all right? So, so you know, we, we talked about last week that the communication services and, and consumer discretionary services, our sectors, have the strongest inverse correlation between performance and the trend in yields. So these would be two sectors the historical playbook says to buy on a peaking yield thesis, okay? So um, keep that in the back of your head, too. So uh, the average, so far, the average Russell 2000 company, you know, the weighted average monthly uh, maturity is about four and a half years. Uh, and we're talking about if we're looking at balance sheets here between small cap and large cap, to the extent there's a, a mutually uh, a maturity wall for small caps are about to run into. And if the yields are up there, they're going to have to, you know, refinance at much higher numbers, which could be a, a problem, but it may be, you know, we all know that now. And the effective interest rates the small cap companies are paying is near their uh, historic lows. So they're going to step up. All right. So, Here's some other things. The AA finally reached levels suggesting pessimism in the equity market, got to an extreme, and then reversed very quickly. Uh, the bullishness fell to two standard deviations below long-term average on the weekly data point. So uh, that's something to think about. And there's some more uh, corroborating evidence that a durable bottom in the stock market may be in place for now. Okay, so... Uh, no, it's no one. It's not an open and shut case right yet. Uh, asset manager positioning the S and P and the Nasdaq futures on the weekly uh, CFTC. Uh, that's the Commodities Futures uh, Bureau data. Still appears to be in the early innings in their own declines, and the Move Index, which is a bond market volatility index, remains high. All right, so U.S. equity flows are stumbling. Uh, you know. Bond flows are strengthening. And, you know, I'm going to talk about higher for longer for a second here and, and, you know, just question a few things. November is a good month to start for the S&P 500. I mean, we just had a really good start so far. You know, last week was very positive, extremely positive in Tim Hayes' view. Um, and the median S&P 500 tech stock 
longer looks expensive on a valuation model. That's really interesting. Trump has pulled ahead of Biden, again, in the polling data, so we'll see what happens there. And financial performance has gotten interesting. Uh, you know, regional banks have been holding in relative to the NASDAQ 100 fairly well. And that's where most of the damage was done. So keep that in mind. Now, look, we put out a piece back in September. It says positioning for a higher for longer world. And, you know, I counted because <laughs> this is, uh, you know, if I, I listened to some of the people on CNBC and, and Fox. And I counted that almost 75% of the people said higher for longer. And just to, just to be, uh, you know, uh, a contrarian, what happens if the yields come down next year? All right, but global yields continue to climb and because and, we've had generally positive data that, that the view that the Federal Reserve officials will need to cut rates in the future. You know, and we believe that the interest rates are going to stay higher for longer. And uh, Jerome Powell reinforced that this week. And, you know, cash substitution investments may be suboptimal strategy. Uh, when interest rates are going up, conservative investors often gravitate towards cash substitute investments, such as money market funds and certificates of deposit, that type of thing. But cash substitutes also tend to underperform when rates are high, but stable. Okay, so in our view, that is the type of investing environment where we currently find ourselves. So in that kind of environment, we believe short-term duration investments, including, you know, the new issue callable notes and those type of things, have potential to provide better risk-adjusted returns. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. And, you know, I talked about AI, and, you know, look, uh, I've got some reports. I've got a new report on AI that I'm going to talk about. But remember, they have strong financial performance. Most of them have cloud dominance. Uh, they're making AI investments. There's a GPU shortage. That's the main driver in AI. It's very. By the way, they're very hot. They run very hot. So, you know, we have our data center, center expansion and also data center cooling report that I talked about, CapEx growth, strategic partnerships, and top-related beneficiaries uh, uh, on the AI side. I think it's important and got a great report on that. But, you know, uh, we had uh, Joseph Wu, who's out of our uh, Toronto office, he talked about are the equity markets entering the AI area, or era, shall we say. Um, so we... There's two con contrasting dynamics have shaped the equity markets in 2023. One was a handful of tech-related BMS having to account for the lion's share of the gains, and the rest of the market has followed a more tipped uh, trajectory. As a matter of fact, you know, if, if you subtract like 15 stocks from the S&P 500, most of the stocks are down for the year. So the transformation potential of artificial intelligent technology is extending across virtually all industries. But identifying the long-term winners is the challenge. And the emergence of personal computers and the Internet provided lessons on the AI adoption and how it could filter through the economy and, and markets. Remember the Internet? You know, I had an Internet uh, <laughs> address that was all numbers when we first started. So, uh, you know, the markets respond to this AI rollout as uh, – kind of a disciplined diversification, and, and it can help investors guard against unintended risks. So we'll see. But, 
Information technology is up 30%. Communication services up 20 from a very low area, by the way. A consumer discretionary are 13 and a half. And remember, we just said that communication services and consumer discretionary would be the most benefit or to have the most benefit uh, based on uh, lowering interest rates. So we'll see. But, you know, you've got utilities, real estate down 9 plus percent, and we'll see what happens from there. But look, I, I think a common factor propelling the three sectors that we're talking about, you know, information technology, communication services, uh, is artificial intelligence. All right. So I've got a great report on it. If you'd like it, uh, please let us know. But the the real promise, I think, of generative AI, you know, AI, artificial intelligence technology are thought to hold immense promise because they are seen as possessing the capacity to impact virtually every industry. And that's what's important. So, you know, uh, chat GP, you know, an acronym for chat generative pre-trained transformer, uh, you know, that's going to be real interesting. Uh, there, there, <laughs> believe me, there's a lot of uh, productivity gains that are going to happen. Uh, I mean, I actually heard one guy say, we, we won't have jobs. We won't need jobs in the future. So, um you know, but you got to remember, it's a disruptive technology. So, in investment context, you got to be smart about it. Okay, uh, we'll leave it at that. You know, we came out with a uh, a new portfolio, and it's the Global Carbon Innovators. And you know, one of the problems with some of these uh, uh, environmental stocks right now is they need money, and we've gone from free money to no money, basically. Uh, uh, you know, and and that's a problem. And then you're seeing it happen time and time again, where people are announcing good earnings, but there's no money. You know, they can't get more money. And, and uh, if you've noticed the the IPO market had five or six deals coming, none of them are above ground. All right. So I don't think you know until we get a more firm uh, footing in the markets, we probably won't be there. So the other. Uh, portfolio and this is what i think you really got to do right now pronto you start to look at got you know we have what we call large cap integrated value uh, value and we have also our large cap quality portfolio both of these are you know look when market volatility highlights the need for a measured approach these are the names you should be going in okay step into these things slowly but surely all right uh you know this is how you make a lot of money in the stock market. When things are down, you buy, okay? As Warren Buffett said, and I quoted him last week, when everybody's happy, you should be frightened. When everybody's frightened, you should be buying. That's simple, okay? So we we want to keep that, you know, in the back of our head. And look, I, I understand that, you know, go if you look forward into 2024, we're going to have some questions about earnings. You know, the S&P 500 earnings are a pace to break back into growth territory after three quarters of declines. And so the recent equity rally may be like icing on the cake, but beneath the surface, there'll be uncertainty about the future direction of the U.S. economy. Of course there will be. And given the U.S. stock market's bounce here, you know, the S&P is... Uh, uh, risen 6.5% in the past eight trading sessions. I, I, you know, I have two money managers that were up 8.5%. The, the Russell was up 8.5% uh, in, in, you know, last week. I'm, I'm sorry, the week before. So, 
you know, I think credit for the stock market rally goes to the bond market and the Fed, okay? As the 10-year Treasury declined from nearly 5%, which is nosebleed level in October, to four and a half in a week, all right? So, you know, we went from one week, you know, it was, it was the end of the, you know, we had a big sell-off two months in a row. So the major markets around the world will likely remain fixated on that Treasury yield. And I think we have to, you know, if uh, Schleimer's right, uh, you know, Rob is our head technician, he thinks you're going to break 430. And if you break 430, then we're we're in great shape. You know, yields will start to come down, he thinks. But look, the S&P 500 third quarter earnings have been good enough to end the three-quarter long earnings recession, as profits are now growing on a year-to-year basis. That's important, folks. Look, companies just don't sit still during periods like this. They're constantly, you know, look, when their stock goes up, they usually make money. So don't you, okay? That's why I've always talked about insiders. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess the question is when they're beating estimates, how by how much? So with 90% of the companies having reported so far, the S&P 500 quarterly earnings revenue growth rates are pacing at 4.1% and 2% year over year. That's very re- respectable, okay? These figures are, are modestly higher than consensus for, forecast. We have 80% of the companies have beaten their consensus earning forecast. That's above the long-term average, okay? But the magnitude of earning beats uh, have lagged the long-term average. Just remember that. So 62% of the companies have beaten the consensus revenue forecast. That's important. Where there's revenue, there's usually earnings. Where there's smoke, there's fire, okay? So the, but the magnitude of the revenue, revenue beats have also lagged. So it's very difficult to say, hey, go hog wild, but buy quality, okay? This is when you, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Your stomach's churning and, uh, you know, you don't want to buy, but this is the time that you should be buying. And we'll leave it at that, okay? Uh, by the way, I think the recession is the elephant in the room at this point. Are we going to have one? Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. We're going to talk uh, more about dividend stocks and the electrical grid. This is the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Three words my dad drummed into us boys all our life. The three words that define why it works. Consider it done. We talk a lot about wallakadoodle, which is making it feel like everything was fixed by magic. But that's really the icing on the cake. The cake itself is... Consider it done. 
because a plumbing problem's a rather unpleasant interruption to your day. Nobody calendars in time to deal with an unexpectedly broken water heater or sewer line clog or burst pipe. So what you want, in one sense, is to have one of our straight-talking, hard-working, do-it-right plumbers fix it for you. But really, you want the whole issue taken off your plate so you can get back to your regularly scheduled life. That's what considerate done means. As soon as you call us, you can consider it done. Problem solved, fixed, and fixed right. So the next time a plumbing problem interrupts your day, just call us and consider it done at whyitworks.com. This is Hugh Hewitt for Town Hall Review. If you're like me, you want more than just facts. You want insight from people you trust. People like Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, and of course me, your host each week on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. A weekly roundup of the news. Tune in each week and visit our website at townhallreview.com, where we give you what you need in today's fast-changing world. That's townhallreview.com. Saturday and Sunday at 5 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. I'm just trying to be a father, be the daughter and a son. All right. And if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And once again, we thank all our veterans. And, uh, I, you know, World War One ended today. You know how long ago that was? It's uh, the war to end all wars until the next war, right? So anyway, um, I, I you know, I tend to harp on things and I drive people crazy because I talk about things over and over again, but sometimes it takes a while to get... <laughs> Knock, knock, you know what I mean? So, look, I think um, we've had a really bad year for dividend growth. And that's because interest rates went up, especially long-term interest rates. And I think the recent underperformance has prevented a very attractive relative valuation. So dividend growth stocks have underperformed the broader mark, market, uh, year-to-date anyway. And, you know, last year, they, they finished close. They, they were flat, okay? So that was interesting. But Dividend growth stocks appear significantly discounted and are trading near the lower end of their historical valuation range. Now, historically, dividend growth stocks have outperformed uh, when relative performance has reached the levels we are seeing today. All right, that's that's historically, but you know, uh, we don't know what the future brings. Obviously, but I, I think the economic uncertainty remains high. So, you know, you got to stake focused on really high-quality businesses. And, you know, we have our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list, which you can get. You go to WHK1420, go to local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, uh, you know, and go across to uh, um, my webpage. It goes, takes you directly there. Uh, just, you know, there's all sorts of contact me, email me. And, and by the way, the Insight banner, there's two new pieces this week. I love them. And then there's a bullet book bulletin board you have rob schleimer's work which is really a really good idea i think to look at uh you know sometimes if you see what's going on you understand if you don't if you're not looking at where things are really going you're in trouble all right so uh anyway the the point is this um you know dividend stocks and and the yields versus corporate bonds corporate bond yields are higher but still inflation you know Bond is not where you want to be in inflationary times. Simple as that. They're a deflationary asset. And the rising interest rate is a risk. Okay? So 
the growth of dividend stocks, you know, stocks are inflation hedges, believe it or not. Uh, and, you know, I, I've been looking, and there's a lot of smaller names, and unfortunately we don't follow all these, that are hitting new highs. Okay? So uh, there's not a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, it was 27 of them, and there was like 67 of them. Uh, there was 87 of them that hit new lows this week. But if you look, whenever you're looking at the market, okay, or you look at uh, numbers, you know, sometimes you'll see a stock sell off on news, good news. And what you're going to understand about that is that it's like a kid at Christmas. You know, if you're sitting on the stairs, you know, waiting for your dad and mom to make coffee and and you're expecting a bike or a BB gun, whatever, and you go downstairs and you didn't get the BB gun, but you get the bike. You know, you, you you get mixed feelings about it. Okay, You're, it's the anticipation of greater greater earnings than that they, they could produce that sends the stock high right into a into an earnings announcement. Sometimes they back off. So, as Warren Buffett once said, it's all about the numbers. Eventually, because there's emotion involved. So, one of the things that we we profess here on this show is when you look at statistics, there's what is known as a standard deviation. And when you're a full standard deviation below your normal valuation, that's a good time to buy things. And we're about 1.5 standard deviation. Oh, we were about a week ago. <laughs> I don't know. With the rally, we may be a little bit higher. But one and a half standard deviations below the market is a good place to buy. All right. So you probably want to look at the dividend growth list and the prime income list. Uh, they also, you know, they're the relative P.E. valuation for the dividend aristocrats versus the S&P 500 is one standard deviation below two. So, uh, look, dividends work long term. You know, 40% of the gain of the S&P 500 over the course of the last 60 years are dividends. All right. Uh, so just keep that in the back of your head. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's important um, that uh, people keep that in mind. So, you know. Uh, I had some questions. Uh, this is from Gloria, and she was asking about the bond market. She called me last week, and so I thought I'd just give a quick uh, thing. What are the difference between stocks and bonds? A stock represents equity ownership in a company, or a bond it represents a loan. Okay, so bonds are great in deflationary times. Stocks are great in inflationary times. So the, the difference between a bond's corporate rate and its yield uh, so sometimes you can buy a bond at a discount. Sometimes you pay above. So the coupon rate is what it trades at at par, which is usually 100. Okay? So if it's a 5% bond and it trades at 100, that's what you get if you buy it at 100. If you buy it at 97, you get 5.4%. 5, 5 All right? If you pay it at 103, you get 4.5%. All right? So... The coupon rate is much different than the actual yield, and that's something you got to understand. So the other thing is, in inflationary times, that's why bonds have been a bad investment for three years. That's why I haven't been professing them for three years, for some time now, because yields were at historic low levels. So it was hard to say, go out and asset allocate, because that's when you get killed, is when bonds go up. So bonds are usually your safe money. So in the last three years, you've lost money three years in a row. All right, with your safe money. That's not what you want. So, uh, and by the way, we're not absolutely sure that inflation is over. So, you know, 
And somebody asked me, how can bonds with different coupons and prices have the same or similar yield? And basically, uh, you know, bond price fluctuates to compensate, to compensate for changes in prevailing interest rates. And, you know, the one thing about bond investing is there's no insider information. Basically, they rip apart the balance sheet. So, uh, so when an investor purchases a bond at a premium or discount to par, that could impact your total return, all right? So when bonds with similar yield and, and time to maturity will ultimately produce a similar total return if the bond is held to maturity, regardless of the coupon rate. But if you need the money, that's when you get in trouble. Uh, you know, actually, with CDs from banks, they actually charge you uh, to get out of the CD before maturity, and that's because of market risk, all right? So um, anyway, how, how do they... Determine the price of a bond. Well, it's several factors. Uh, you know, the first is what the the interest rate is, or interest rate risk, we should say. Uh, the second is credit risk, and the other factors could be supply and demand, time to maturity, uh, the bonds call structure. You know, bonds can be called. Uh, believe me, all those guys that bought bonds back in nineteen eighties, fifteen, sixteen percent, the bond didn't see five years. <laughs> they were all called because interest rates started to come down hard. So anyway, I I, uh, I hope that's what you were looking for. Some oh, I, Gloria asked me about duration. So duration estimates a bond's price sensitivity to changes in prevailing interest rates. Higher duration indicates greater price sensitivity, and vice versa. All right, so uh, you got to look at cash flow. You got to look at all that type of stuff. That's why uh, you know if you don't understand bond laddering, you're in trouble. <laughs> All right, that's that's why we have a we have one of the best bond desks I know of. Uh, they're really good. So, um, so I was reading Rob Slimer's roadmap, which you can get. You know, if you go to WHK fourteen twenty, go to local podcast, you can go right to my web page, and and if you go uh, under bulletin board, it's called roadmap. And he talked about he thinks the intermediate term lows are in place. He expects some short term. Pullbacks, but he, he expects them to be shallow for equities, and you know Rob's pretty good. So I, I think the you know if the line, if I look at the chart, I look at you know four thousand. We talked about that being important support, but you know we we look at some of these uh, charts and we say, hey, are we making a higher low? You know, we came right down to where support was and we held. Uh, and, you know, we talked about that quadrant balance oscillator uh, that that Rob talks about. And hit we hit it right at the bottom, right? I, I we're, we're transposing that over the bullish percent. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. 
How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code TIRE for an extra 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code TIRE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code TIRE. It's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. like to interrupt that song but anyway uh uh once again uh, it's near the end of the year and if you have a retirement program or you run a company uh small company mid-sized company even a company that you own yourself and it's you're the only employee you know you can put more money away now rbc can help you we have a, a whole group matter of fact we had i had three conference calls in the last three weeks with People who are doing just that, okay? We also have uh, you know, our, bars, our friends at uh, Dunbar and, uh, and Bender, uh, Dane Topic helps us, uh, who, who can really help you put away more money, you know? So money grows faster when you're not uh, involved with the, uh, the IRS. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway. I want to get back, um, you know, we were talking about our quadrant balance oscillator. It's a momentum os- oscillator. And by the way, it, it, I think it might be better than the bullish percent. So, uh, you know, one of the things I talked about in 2021 for the better half of the year, I, I said, you know, the momentum hasn't broken above midway mark. And we kept going from 80 to 60 and, you know, on the bullish percent. Well, if you would have seen that on the quadrant balance momentum indicator. So, uh, oscillator, sorry. Anyway, so it turned up and that's very, very positive and it's staying up. So that's even more positive. And if you look at the, the Dow and, and the S and P, uh, they broke out, uh, the NASDAQ did not, but the S and P 500 and the Dow broke above, uh, some key resistance. So it'd be interesting to see if they stay that way. That's very important. 
you know, and, and, and look, one of the things that we talked about a while back was the 10-year yield had broke its uptrend line, and it stayed below there, which is really interesting. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, predicting interest rates are not easy to do. Um, anyway, I had several questions about Israel. And, uh, you know, my personal opinion is, uh, you know, the key here is what OPEC does. And I, I, I am literally reading off a Halima Cross script. And if you don't know who Halima Cross is, she's our head of global commodity strategy. Very bright woman. She's a former Navy SEAL. She's a mem- she was a member of the CIA for eight years, nine years. She knows what she's talking about. And, you know, she says the window for a dem- uh, diplomatic off-ramp to avert a wider war in the Middle East appears to be closing. With protests erupting throughout the region in wake of the deadly blast of the uh, hospital in Gaza, and Iran and Hezbollah warning a more direct intervention in the if in the conflict if if Israel doesn't halt its Gaza offensive. So it's okay for the Hamas, but it's not okay for Israel, I guess. But anyway, the point is is that we got to watch what OPEC does, okay? And you know, China's having some hard times. So the fact that she's coming to America to talk with Biden means they're having a hard time. If you look at their the charts of the uh, of the Chinese stock market, uh, you'll agree, uh, especially the real estate market, which is very important in China, by the way. Uh, it's not looking so good. So, you know, the big problem with our, and it's starting to turn a little bit, you know, we had the small caps start to go ahead, but, you know, the, the, the healthcare stocks started to go ahead and they just squashed them on, on I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. But we have such narrow leadership, and that trend continues. So we really have to, I think we have to worry about that short-term leadership, okay? So that's something to pay attention to. I mean, it's literally, I mean, if you take, well, you could take, if you take 12 stocks out of the S&P 500, most of the stocks are down, okay? That's not, you know, you look at the market, it's 14%, all right? So. That's a problem, and uh, the, the small caps really got hit. But it was the last time they got hit was on light volume. They just pulled the bids, so it'll be interesting to see what happens on the way back up. Now, a couple things I'm going to recommend. You know, we have a couple pieces that I highly recommend: taking control of healthcare and retirement. If you don't know about Medicare, or you know uh, Medicaid, you should be you know looking at this. You know, doesn't cost you anything. Also, uh, you know. The family inventory workbook, uh, that's all about just getting organized, you know, uh, and and then the wealth plan. You know, I haven't heard anybody that did one of these wealth plans say they were sorry that they did did it, <laughs> okay? Uh, the other, the people who have done it interactive with me and we sat down, I mean, I had a couple in my office uh, downtown and, and we talked about it. I said, hey, you know, take your grandkids on trips. Them to spend money, all right, and I, I think uh, she has taken it to a new level, which is okay. Uh, but you know, sometimes it's okay to spend money. You know, you don't have to save it all your life. Look, we have a silver tsunami. Okay, we're we're an aging country, and that silver tsunami is very important. I think uh, simply because of the fact that uh, you know. People are going to get more conservative. That's why I'm pushing dividend growth stocks. That's why I'm talking about them, okay? Now, we also have 
And I sent this to, if you're on my mailing list, if you want to get on my mailing list, just call me Monday or, you know, if you go to my webpage, uh, if you go to WHK 1420's webpage, go to uh, local podcast and down to Smart Investor Show, you can go directly to my webpage. Just send me an email and say, hey, I'd like your year-end planning. It's got a great thing on income tax strategies, uh, tax-related investments, that type of stuff, retirement planning, all sorts of stuff if you'd like it. You know, let me know. Okay. All right. So let's talk about long the, the long view, because if you're not in the stock market, if you're listening to CNBC and you're trading day by day, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. The money made in the market where people become multi-multi-millionaires is normally done long term. Ask Warren Buffett. Okay. Uh, I know the guys at Marshfield do the same thing. You know, uh, you know, Marshfield has a phenomenal track record by thinking long term. When things get trashed, they step in and buy. Okay, they're a deep value player. Our our friend uh, Warren Buffett sometimes buy things that are up. Okay, so the long term is the way you got to think. So, you know, look, uh, the direction of interest rates and the U.S. dollar remain the the key macro driver for equities. And uh, if the U.S. dollar were to, you know sell off. And I don't know anything about these things. You know, it's it's all about, you know, interest rates and that type of thing. But look, almost every sector and industry corrected into the fourth quarter. So, you know, August, September, and October were ugly months. They usually are. All right. Growth stocks are showing signs of bottoming here. All right. Defensive sectors and groups, notably utilities, staples, healthcare, etc., are deeply oversold. I mean, boy, I, you know, I was, I read Lori Calvacina's stuff. She said, you know, healthcare is one standard deviation below where it was in Hillary Care. Okay. So that, that's pretty, pretty oversold. So more cyclical groups remain weak. And I think that's where the problem may be next year. We'll see what happens. But remember, we have these generational cycles. They're called secular bull markets and secular bear markets. We had a secular bear market from two, 2000 to 2016. They usually last about 16 to 18 years. And then, you know, we've had a bull market since then. Now, look, there's bear markets and bull markets. Okay. Those are, uh, I'm sorry, structural bull markets and structural bear markets. Then we have secular bear markets within these. That's what happened in, in the, in the eighties. We had 1983 for all the small caps just got crushed. 1987, everything got, got crushed. 1990, we had Saddam Hussein rolled the town, and we had the, you know, the uh, uh, Russian ruble crisis in 1998. So we do have bear markets. That, those are secular. The structural bull markets last a little bit longer. And you know what? We came right to the uptrend line and turned up. We look like we're making a W bottom. So it could be, things could get interesting. So I don't think we have anything to fear for, uh, other than the normal you know, bear market that comes along. 2034. So you got to think long term, okay? Now, ten year the ten year yield went to five percent and backed off. So I guess the question is: Is that stalling? You know, like I said, you know, we normally have that problem with uh, yields when we get to five percent. So I I don't know which way yields are going. To, I think that's uh, unfortunately determined by uh, how much debt the U.S. has. And what the Federal Reserve is thinking. Now, the one thing we talk about this repetitive four-year cycle. So every four years, you have kind of the same thing going on. 
within the structural bulls and bears, and 2024 is the beginning of that four-year cycle. And I guarantee you one thing, they are not going to ring a bell (laughs) and tell you where the bottom is, okay? I think, you know, last week was very, very positive. And, you know, the one thing we talked about is the four-month versus the 13-month moving average. And usually when the four-month crosses over the 13-month moving average, you're in a bull phase, which we're in right now. And if, you know, we have this positive momentum going if it stays like this i think we could be off to the races but look we we have a monthly seasonality and this has been going on since boy i mean 1928 all right where february's down a little bit may's down a little bit september is always down okay august is you know the end of august is usually kind of an ugly time too but remember it's go away in may and come back on all souls day that was a week or so ago, folks. So the long term is still there, and I think that's important. And remember, Rob Schleimer's quadrant balance momentum oscillator turned up. So this is important. Uh, so we were oversold. We've turned up. Sometimes it takes months for this to get overbought. Uh, but usually when, it, when it's made a surge like this, you got to wait a while. You know, you, you get a sideways movement, a couple, you know, uh, days to make you think, oh my gosh, we're we're done. But you know, look, since 1986, 70 to 75% of the t- uh, of the 27 times this indicator has fallen below 10%, the the market is higher over the coming 6, 12, 18 and 20 weeks. So keep that in the back of your head, you know, it's not the end of the world here, all right? It's you know, markets get oversold, they get overbought. You just got to use the oversold period to buy good quality stocks. That's why I'm saying dividends are 40% of the return of the market in the last 60 years, all right? Dividend stocks are down. Buy yield when it's up, all right? The prime income list, the dividend growth list are great ideas right now as far as Tim Hayes is concerned. I think, you know, you, you have to be thinking about that. And look, when you have the dividend growth portfolio down a standard deviation, from their average P.E. ratio. Now, what's a P.E. ratio? A P.E. ratio is the price of the stock divided by its earnings. So if you got a $20 stock and it earns 2 bucks, it's trading at 10 times earnings. So we're one standard deviation below that. Sorry. So keep that in the back of your mind. All right, we're going to be right back and we'll talk about the markets a little bit more. Uh, happy Veterans Day uh, to all the veterans out there, and God bless all the veterans that fell. Uh, This Thanksgiving weekend, join the Cleveland Orchestra for a performance of Tchaikovsky's beloved violin concerto, featuring guest soloist Augustine Hadeland. Tchaikovsky's soaring romantic concerto in an evening you won't want to miss. Tchaikovsky's violin concerto, November 24th through 26th at Severance. Tickets at clevelandorchestra.com. Truth for Life with Alistair Begg. If you simply choose the parts of the Bible you like, 
and reject the parts that you don't like, then you don't believe the Bible. You believe yourself. That's what you believe. You don't believe the Bible. We're not at liberty to rewrite the Bible to accommodate godless perspectives on abortion, on euthanasia, on same-sex marriage, on transgenderism, and more. Listen every weekday at 8.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. on our sister station, AM 1220, The Word. And visit them online at truthforlife.org. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Lenny just played uh, the theme to MASH, and uh, I still watch MASH to this day. <laughs> still watch MASH to this day. Anyway, um, so let's talk about the, the, some of the technical stuff of the market. And uh, look, I think last week's rebound, it had three key events, the, the Treasury auction, the FMOC meeting, and the, and the employment report. So what, what it did is, you know, we had... Uh, we had an oversold market, and, and they bounced on that. Um, but I, I, look, we we could have a pullback. We didn't, you know. We had we started the week off a little bit of a pullback, and then we rallied back up. I think the pullbacks, and I'm I'm just quoting Rob Schleimer here, okay, who's a wonderful technician. Uh, I think they're going to be shallow. You know, it, the only thing that got me a little bit worried was the. American Association of Individual Investors went bullish very quickly. Uh, I think that'll go away pretty pretty quick. It usually does. But, you know, I, I think if you look growth versus value, value has still has its leadership. I mean, uh, growth still has its leadership. And the cyclicals have been selling off a little bit. So we've got to be careful there. And we just got to remember that 5% yield. The market has not done well during periods uh, where we broke through. Five percent. You know, if you look at the '60s and the '70s, we broke through five percent, and we went on to what 15, I think 18 at one time, and and then as we gradually went down from there, you know, so we've had a 40-year bull market in bonds is what it comes down to, and a, and a bear market in yields. Uh, so the question is, are we going back to five percent? And and that's the key ingredient, I think. But one of the things that we we follow, and you know, we had this. Uptrend in in uh, the market in the S and P five hundred since the the bottom in two thousand nine, and remember we came on the show at that time and said we think we've had a generational low. All right, and people thought I was crazy, but uh, they also thought I was crazy when I said that I thought we peaked out in China. And the key is is that we were at the upper band of the S and P five hundred at the top end of the trend line. For a long time, from, from 2013 all the way to 2017, 16. And then we came down and touched the bottom twice. Once in 2018, that's when the Fed started raising interest rates, and the other time during the pandemic. We did it again just recently. And we held. And now we were there again, and we held. And what I'm seeing is the relative performance of the S&P 500 versus bonds. 
is positive. So, you know, are bonds the place to be when you've taken your money out of the stock market? Are bonds the place to be? Well, maybe, I don't know. But get back and look at the seasonality. You know, September is usually a bad month. You know, since 2000, January and February have been bad months, all right? But since 1928, it's usually been February and, and September and May. Uh, but in the, since 2000, it's been January, February, June, and September have been the four down months. Uh, and so May, go away in May, is more like go away in June, <laughs> all right? And we, we did have some bad news come out in January and February a couple times, like the pandemic. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, uh, our Fed chair at that point was talking about uh, a couple things that I don't think she should have been talking about. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, so seasonality-wise, this is a really good time in the market. So, you know, use use the decline in the markets to increase the quality of your portfolio. I highly recommend that. And once again, our quadrant balance oscillator, which is a, you know, percent of S&P 500 stocks with positive weekly momentum was down to below 10. I've only seen it there a few times, uh, you know, and mostly it's been a great buying opportunity. We just popped up a little this week, so keep that in mind. And like I said, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, over 6, 8, 12, 18 weeks, we've had a positive uh, market during that period of time. So uh, just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that the the momentum has bottomed and people are still negative. So uh, now people ask me about small caps. Lori Calvacina on a valuation basis, thinks they're great. I would suggest, though, the relative performance remains weak and it's in a downtrend. So I don't know what gets them going again, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I will say this, the momentum indicators are very oversold. So they should, you know, they, when you have an 8.5% move in a week, that's pretty big. Um, we'll see what happens if it continues. That's what's going to be important. All right, so uh, what do you do? Well, I think right now, what I'd be looking is the dividend stocks, the dividend growth portfolio, and the prime income list. Remember, your CD yields may be higher, but they're taxed at regular income, where dividends are taxed at 15% rate plus Obamacare tax, okay, which is about 18%. So if you're in the 24% bracket or you're, the, you're a higher income person when you're in the 35 36% bracket, you're in a situation where you might be paying more in taxes on those CDs, even you're getting a little bit more yield, and the yields might correspond to be pretty close. The, the difference is stocks are an inflation hedge. Bonds are a deflation hedge. Just remember that. So, so what, else do, what else would we be thinking about right now? Well, I would suggest that, you know, get organized. A family inventory workbook is a really good idea. We have our year-end planning. Talks about taxes and all sorts of stuff that you should be thinking about. Remember, it's a silver tsunami right now, okay? The number, amount of people who are retiring is significant. They're going to want safer investments, dividend growth, prime income list, that type of thing. We also have our healthcare and retirement portfolio. Highly recommend it. And as I always say on the show, the wealth plan. Hey, it's a simple questionnaire. You can, it gives you a probability of if you're going to be able to retire. And 
the, the, the good news is if you sign up with us, it's interactive. We can do what ifs. And that's very, very important because, look, if you want to start traveling, you know, I just talked to some people the other day and, you know, this guy wants to go all over the place. His wife is, wants to hang out with the grandchildren. I think there'll be a, you know, they'll come to a, a, a you know, a 50, 50 uh, runoff there. And, uh, you know, we figured out how to pay for it just by using playground is what we call it. So what we do is we can affect the, the wealth plan without having to go crazy. Anyway, the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list and all this stuff, you can go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, go to my page. There's all sorts of contact me, email me the, while you're there. Look at the bulletin board and insight. Highly recommend it. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, remember, my name's Tim Hayes. This is um, with RBC Wealth Management. Remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of R. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.